0: A spoonful, the podcast that is young and fully sick. Everyone you hear speaking on this podcast is a young person living with a chronic illness and or disability, including me, your host Caitlin Plyley. Hello from the end of 2016. Fuck. We made it! What a year. It has been the kind of year that like when you're talking about it in the future is gonna make you look like a liar. Like you're like you're you know one of those fishermen down at the dock telling tall tales you know oh yeah like Britain left the European Union and and uh, and then and then Donald Trump got elected uh president of the US <laughs> yeah that happened um and in uh in personally uh, in my private life it has also been ridiculous um like I feel like um people are just gonna think I'm making stuff up when I tell them what I've been dealing with. Um, I have a psychologist that I see regularly to help with my secondary depression anxiety that I have from being chronically ill, and she's lovely, and you know, every couple weeks I'll see her and she'll be like, uh, let's deal with that thing that we were talking about last fortnight. I'll be like, no, 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 wait, because guess what happened now? Um, so that's what this is this year has been like, and it has been an abnormal amount of stress and trauma to deal with, so I've been giving myself lots of permission to rest, and uh, I hope that you are too giving yourself that. You may have noticed that not many episodes have come out this year. you can blame that on two thousand and sixteen each time I started to recover enough from like the last thing to get back to work, some fresh hell would open up underneath me so uh, but I'm here now and happy to be back with you so happy and I've got a really fun episode for you so if 2016 has gotten you down. This chat should be some light relief. And my guest is just delightful. Carly Finlay is a writer, award-winning blogger, speaker, and appearance activist. And in 2014, she was named as one of the Australian Financial Review's most influential women and Westpac's 100 Women of Influence. Carly lives with the rare severe skin condition ichthyosis, which is a family of genetic skin disorders characterized by dry-scaling skin that can be thickened or very thin and very painful. Carly's ichthyosis makes her skin quite red and very painful, especially on her face, which is the most exposed part of her skin to the elements. And you'll hear Carly talk about how strangers react to her appearance and why appearance diversity is so important within disability activism. We also discuss a movie which had just been released at the time we recorded this chat earlier in the year, Uh, uh, we discussed the quote-unquote romance Me Before You uh, and the problem with the lead actor Sam Claflin creeping up for his role.
1: He doesn't have lived experience and, you know, he'll get this kind of accolade for being brave and um, I guess, you know, um, not dumbing down. I I guess, well, there's that that perception that people with disabilities have a lesser intelligence, so I guess dumbing down, but also, you know, like um, being less masculine and and being less uh, less able, of course.
0: We also talk a lot about music as Carly is a very dedicated music fan, so dedicated, in fact, that one of her favourite musicians actually played at her wedding at the beginning of the year. And we talk about some of our favourite not-so-guilty pop pleasures, and there's a lot of them. We recorded this chat a few months ago over Skype when I was in Brisbane and Carly was in her hometown of Melbourne, so the sound quality is uh, Skype. So please bear with me, but here we go, here's my chat with Carly Finlay.
1: How are you? Good. It's so nice to internet meet you. Me too. It's lovely to talk to you too. I have a crush on your accent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh my god, never in a million years did I think anyone would say that to me. Um Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I have a crush <laughs> on your activism. Oh, thanks. Also your voice is like- <laughs> My voice. You have like, uh, I hope this isn't belittling, you have an adorable voice. Oh, thank you.
1: Is your mother home? People ask me that all the time when they ring me. Oh know. my God.
0: <laughs> I used to get that a lot too, but that's because I sound exactly like my mum. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, okay, since we've established we've both got great voices, um, it's good that we're doing a podcast together. We
1: could form a girl band. Oh, I would love that. I would love
0: that. <laughs> I just immediately saw Spice Girls. But yeah, me too. I couldn't think of any other name, so I was just thinking we would be the Spice Girls. <laughs> yeah, I think so. With those really high shoes.
1: You know, um, when the Spice Girls movie opened in Albury, I grew up in Albury, which is a really small town in the middle of Australia, in you know, in, in New South Wales, Victorian border. And my friend and I made some silver lame skirts and we wore them with our cork wedges <laughs> to the movies at Albury Cinema Centre.
0: <laughs> like just to me, nothing says like um small town life like cork wedges. I don't know why <laughs> I know. I remember I know. when we all wore them in like the northern suburbs of Perth and we would never go into the city. We would just we would go to Hillary's Boat Harbor on our cork wedges. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: Good times.
0: No, it's a great movie. Anyway, um when they <laughs> jumped that bridge. <laughs> Did they do a sequel? Ah, oh, maybe they will. They're like reform they reformed recently, didn't they? Yeah, but
1: Posh got left out. Did she? Oh. She, I think she her microphone used to get turned off when <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> because the others had stronger voices apparently. <laughs>
0: But we all we all know Mel C had the best voice. Like, she did.
1: She was my, my voice crush of the Spice Girls.
0: Oh um, my! I, I always wanted to be Sporty Spice. I was like, she's oh, like I never wanted one. to be
1: Sporty. I just wanted to have her <laughs> voice and be baby.
0: oh that makes a lot of sense because like you're like you I was actually thinking about whether I should bring this up in the interview that you have such amazing fashion sense oh thank you I know that I've like tweeted you about the dress that you wore in the Sydney Morning Herald article
1: (laughs) so do you know
0: (laughs) I was like yeah I was like yeah great article but your (laughs) dress
1: (laughs) so did everyone and and so my friends were like yeah great you know, great words, but I love your dress better. And then they turned me Fashion Angel. They turned me hashtag Fashion Angel um, because, of, because of all the comments I was getting about the dress and no one was paying attention to what I was saying because um, there were some really good quotes in there, but the dress stole the show. Anyway, and so we made my friends and I we made these fake books, like kind of inspiration porn books. And um, I'll send it to you so you can link to people on the podcast if you like. Yes, um, and my my book is called Fashion Angel. And um, I made up some quotes from Vogue magazine about how I can make my um, how I can like make my clothes so oilproof and not look like a greasy fish and chip wrapper. Um, anyway, we had a little book launch in Fed Square a few weeks ago. It was fun, but so I, think, <laughs> <It's so cool. laughs> I offended someone with my fashion angel um, like name because they were very religious and they said that I have, um, yeah, some demeaned religion or, you know, anyway. I
0: don't um, think, but, like, and I obviously I'm not religious so I can't speak, but I don't think religions own angels. <laughs> but I mean, what about the
1: Victoria's Secret
0: angels? Oh, well, she probably doesn't like them either.
1: <laughs> so, I, yeah, so I, I am now hashtag fashion angel. That's beautiful.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So I do like, I really love clothes, so. Yeah, and you're always,
0: your outfits are always like, I've, you know, obviously like preparing for this. I'd already read a bunch of your work, but like preparing for this, I went and looked at like videos you were in and stuff. I was like, oh my God. I was like, everything you said is great as well. I was like, yeah, this is great. She's really smart, blah, blah, blah. But her (laughs) dress is, her outfit's so on point. Like,
1: (laughs) well, today I'm wearing pajamas, a non supportive bra, and an op shop jumper.
0: Can I tell you? I'm wearing this top. is actually a pajama top from Cotton On. Oh, good. Mine's from Cotton On too. I think yours is similar to mine. Oh my God, That's so great. Yeah, we. But got I wear jackets. it. I wear it as like clothing because yeah. I'm just like like it's just comfortable clothing. That's what pajamas yeah. are. Yeah. So I'm just like I wear this out in public and like.
1: Oh. Someone's texted me. It could be the. Is it could your... be the person. No, it's my husband. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, never mind. Um.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Just for listeners, like Carly might receive a fridge at any moment. So (laughs) we might have to take a break. But speaking of husband, you recently got
1: married. I did get married. Congratulations. About two months ago, we got married. It was such a good day. Yeah. So great. Yeah. It was lovely. So he's off this weekend doing Cubs stuff. He's a Cubs leader. Oh, okay. He's doing Cubs stuff in the, and it's like going to be 12 degrees or something, and he has to camp out. Sorry, I, I
0: don't want to laugh, but seriously. But you're, like, you're like tucked up in bed at home, so you can yeah. laugh. I think you should laugh.
1: He's in a tent. <laughs> and, yeah, so, um, yeah, it's good. It's, it's nice. nice. Married life is just like it was before, not when we weren't married. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, like, is there any particular reason why you guys
0: decided to get married, if it's, like, the mm-hmm. same? Is it, like, for legal know. reasons oh. or...?
1: We were planning, I think maybe when we first started going out, because we got engaged like five months after we started going out. Oh, wow. So quite soon. And I don't know whether, like, maybe we thought that it was going to be some sort of fairy tale kind of thing, or I don't know, at the time. And then we planned the wedding for two years. If you're getting married, It's great to have the money, like two years of planning and then two years of saving, but two years of planning, it it was a bit of a letdown um, at the end because I'm like, I've been planning for two years and now I have to suddenly stop planning my wedding, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I really loved planning the wedding. (laughs) Actually,
0: (laughs) I actually just watched the Friends episode where B- Monica and Chandler get married, yeah. and immediately, like the day after, Monica becomes deeply depressed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think there's this depression. and <laughs> I'm still listening to this wedding podcast because I can't stop because I'm so hooked on the podcast. Well, yeah, but, and I can't stop, and and I think I think I want to do something around diverse weddings. You Is know? that the fridge? No, it's just Adam. It's just him again. It's just him again. Oh.
0: The old uh, hang on, energy. I'm gonna
1: text. I'm gonna text him back. Keep talking to me.
0: Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. I really like Friends. No, uh,
1: <laughs> no, I really watched it yet. Say what? I know. I, and I've also never watched Harry Potter. Never read Harry Potter. I'm just gonna hang up right now. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and I haven't seen Star Wars. And I've never seen ET. And I literally don't fucking know what we're gonna talk about, Carly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. This, um, you, should have, you should
0: have warned me. done a lot of other stuff. <laughs> well, I've actually, a... speaking of movies, we were going to talk about a movie. Yes. Um,
1: neither of us have watched it. Neither
0: of us have seen it, <laughs> but we're going to discuss <laughs> it so anyway. Old. Um, it's called Me Before You, <laughs> and it stars Sam Claflin, aka um, oh, Hunger Games. No.
1: Sorry. His, his name is Will Traynor in the show, but I don't know oh. anything. His name
0: know. in The Hunger Games is Finnick. I've so- never watched The Hunger Games.
1: <laughs> sorry.
0: I'm so angry. <laughs> you, you didn't know what you're getting into with this podcast. I'm actually, like, I was actually wearing a Mockingjay pin a second ago. Um,
1: oh, I took my sorry. jumper
0: off because I'm in Brisbane. Oh, Suck it.
1: I don't want to let you down by saying what I haven't
0: seen. Yeah, maybe don't tell him anymore because I'm genuinely getting a little bit hurt.
1: Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, let's keep talking. Um, Pretend this never happened. Uh,
0: so yeah, no Sam Claflin and also Emilia Clarke, who is the Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. Don't tell me you haven't seen it. So I, I haven't seen. I can't Game handle of it. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> so if I say hold the
1: door, that means nothing to you. No, I'm a complete letdown. Oh. But my friend has acted in a Game of Thrones episode in a crowd. Is that good enough for you? Um
0: um um. You know what? That's that's bringing me back. <laughs> I feel able to continue now. <laughs> yeah. That's so okay. cool. Um yeah. All right. So me before you is well, would you like you've you're actually halfway through reading the book, so would you like to kind of sum it <gasps> I've up? I've
1: told people I've read the whole book. <laughs> uh
0: you wouldn't cop any more into it. You have read the whole book. I have um, read
1: the whole book. I'm actually on probably halfway through. I'm a bit bored by it really. Um I think I thought if
0: you've I had read to- half of a book, you can form an opinion on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I felt like I had to read it to form some sort of opinion, so I bought it on Amazon. Okay. Um, well, I think my main problem with the film, I mean, the, the film is about a man with who acquired a disability who feels like the only way out or the, or, or death is better than the fate of disability. That, that's, that's the premise. But my big problem is that, you know, we've got someone creeping up for the film. We've got some a, a non-disabled person playing a disabled person. Hey, who would play you in a film?
0: Oh, my first name was Natalie Portman.
1: What about J-Law? Oh, my
0: God, that was my second name. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you saying that because you think I'm like J-Law?
1: No, I'm saying it because you like (laughs) good (laughs) games. I think this podcast, we're just going to keep giggling, and then we'll have to record it into something serious.
0: No, no, no. My listeners know that giggling is just pie for the
1: course. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you
0: mention Jennifer Lawrence. Um. Okay, so I love her. So just, I was so hoping that you were going to be like, oh, you really remind me of Jennifer Lawrence. Oh. Yes.
1: <laughs> I'm Sorry. sad again. I'm
0: sad again. <laughs> this is an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I've offended you on all accounts. Yes, I am deeply offended. Um, no, I think, um, yeah, I think like, uh, no, you know what? I think either Anne Hathaway or Jennifer Lawrence because mm-hmm. um, I like Anne Hathaway's hair. Yes, um, you have Anne Hathaway's hair. I, I actually yes was much modeled on her hair. <laughs> uh, also, Justin Bieber. Don't tell
1: anyone. Yeah, um, Justin Bieber's hair too.
0: Yeah, wait. If I do this, if I really like.
1: Yeah, he could totally you play you. Too late to
0: say sorry.
1: I hate that. Song. Um, How but I do you? like the other one. <laughs> oh, what uh, do you mean? No, no. Oh god, he's got some awful songs. Um, no, no, no. The, um, you know, um, the mother song. You know. Jesus Christ! What is the mother song? Um, um, You know my something. I don't know. You know the mother that she doesn't like you very much, but she likes everyone. She don't like you very much, but she likes everyone. Oh, is that the one? Um, if you like the way you look that
0: much. Oh, that's my least favorite because I'm like I'm like um. He's all like, he's like basically shaming a girl for liking her appearance. I'm like, fuck you. Also because I think he's talking about Selena Gomez, and I'm like, she is beautiful, and screw you.
1: Mm. I've never looked into it that deeply, I've just heard it
0: <laughs> a lot. Yeah, me neither. I'm a serious yeah. woman with business pursuits. Um, <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know anything about these people. Um... So let's talk about let's talk about Cripping up because this is a very serious issue. Who will play me in a movie yet? Oh God, sorry. Who would play you in a movie? I can't think of anyone because <laughs> I. <I'm-
1: laughs> Why did you bring it up? <laughs> I am um. I I, I don't like people Cripping up, and they'd have to totally red face. And I wait, don't- so
0: are you saying there are no actors with <laughs> ichthyosis? Ix- ix-
1: did I say I don't, it right? Sorry? No, not that I know of. I would have to become an actor and play myself.
0: Well, I was going to say, because I've seen your um, comedy sketches with No Limits
1: from a oh, yeah, few years ago. Fun.
0: They were mm. really funny. You were really good.
1: <laughs> that was like my first time in doing TV. It was fun. Yeah, Actually, like you but, were a natural. Um, Thank Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who would play me. No, it would just be me. I'd be, I'd be, I'm not really bossy and I don't want anyone to, like I'd be bossing them around. Yeah. No, but mm. I like
0: that you want to, like, own your own narrative.
1: Yeah, ab- oh, absolutely. That's why I write, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: No, that's great. Okay, well, um, we'll do it. Why don't we do, like, a buddy cop movie? Okay. And I will play, no, wait. I, w- I will play Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. And you oh, play yeah. you.
1: Yes, and who would play our love interests?
0: Oh, uh, okay, Liam Hemsworth in- for me.
1: Oh, I'd have Ryan Gosling. Nice. All right.
0: Um, yeah. Who would be their love interest? Because I want to find a way to get more shirtless men into this film.
1: Like, oh, are they going to be gay men? They, they can be bi. Okay, <laughs> I'm okay with um, that. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't given it too much. This was this wasn't in the list of questions you gave me. So, no, it uh...
0: wasn't. I'm sorry. There was nothing about my thirst for <laughs> shirtless men in the in the questions I sent you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm worried that you haven't been reading my tweets <laughs> enough. And you're going to get a rude shock. Um, no, okay. All right. Sam Claflin, someone else I would like to see shirtless. Um, but he is not disabled and he plays a disabled character. Um, so we've seen him like running and jumping and throwing tridents and stuff in the Hunger Games. So we know that he is not a paraplegic. Or at least we're pretty sure. Um, so what's the problem with him playing a
1: paraplegic
0: which I already have opinions, but I want to hear what you think
1: about it. He doesn't have lived experience and, mm. you know, he'll get this kind of accolade for being brave and um, oh, I guess, you know, um, not dumbing down. I, I guess, that, well, there's that, that perception that people with disabilities have a lesser intelligence, so I guess dumbing down. But also, you know, like um, being less masculine and, and mm. being less uh, less able, of course. Mm.
0: Do you think it's like it's brave for him to play someone who's less vulner, who's more vulnerable than he is, su- mm. supposedly in the perception,
1: the perception of it is brave, kind of like you know, um, when Nicole Kidman had that prosthetic nose and she had to kind of you know like um be more ugly, I guess, and I don't like the <laughs> word, but you know what I mean, like like there was the perception that she kind of uglied it up because she was brave enough not to, um, look like she normally does, like not to look. So beautiful. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: That baffles me. Yeah, people think that's brave, but um, I think if you (laughs) if you're anyone who's not Nicole Kidman, you're like, that's my everyday life. But cheers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I think I think there's that, and I think that there's that kind of like, um, not you know that job could have gone to someone with a disability. Yeah. You know, there's lots of actors out there with disabilities and um, the other day when I was talking about it on Facebook, people were commenting um, about how they couldn't really understand my problem with it and when I said that the cripping up kind of thing, that, you know, it's not right to do blackface so why is it right to to crip up, Um, then they kind of got it and there was a lot of um, interaction with an American actor I know, Dominic Evans, who was listing a lot of other actors who, you know, have been out there for a long time, yeah. Mm, mm. and I think I'm going to see the movie like so I can form an opinion I'd probably hate it I mean I might love it and then I'd be really guilty (laughs) to hide it (laughs) well it's it just it's
0: weird to me that um people can't imagine that there are actors who are paraplegics because wasn't one of the most famous paraplegics of like the last century one of the most famous actors like Mr. the yeah it's like he was superman and um this like thing that, like, whoa, well, he's disabled now, so his acting career is over. I mean, maybe that's just because there were just no roles. Mm. Or maybe he just wanted to have a little rest. Maybe he was already not going to act anymore. I don't know. But, maybe they
1: didn't him because, I don't know, like some yeah. sort of, fa- like, I don't know, they, they, wanna, they want the audience to see him in that state. Who knows?
0: That's a good point, yeah. Like the same way that studios want to keep seeing Nicole Kidman look like Nicole Kidman, you know, they probably, yeah they probably want to see like Superman keep looking like Superman yeah yeah hmm interesting um well the movie itself is like um, it, there's an interesting um, intersection of commentary online be- about it because um, the character is uh he he is um, determined to die by assisted suicide mm-hmm. and his parents don't want him to do that but they they say like just give us six months and then you can do it, and so the Amelia Clark character comes in as a carer for him, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know she's meant to kind of like, you know, bring him back to life and stuff and mm-hmm. make him see life is worth living. So you've got like the disa- like a lot of disability uh, people with disabilities online saying, <clears throat> excuse me, saying because like there's a big problem. There's a big problem with like there's the people who are pro-assisted suicide. Uh, who, you know, and then there's like people with disabilities and you would think that they would all kind of mesh, but they actually like disagree with each other a lot because people in disabled community, there's more of a history of being pressured to think that okay. death is the better option. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a, maybe like an able bodied person wanting to die by assisted suicide, like might not have that same pressure. Anyway, there's been a lot of able-splaining and there was <laughs> an ask, a hashtag ask Sam thing with Sam Claflin oh, yeah. on Twitter. Did you see any of that?
1: No, but I saw the Storify because it got ah. taken up by the activist. I posted it on my um, Facebook page the other day. Ah. And it's brilliant. Like all the activists kept on asking him questions and then he shut it down really quickly.
0: Yeah. Someone asked him, you know, like, why did you, something like, something along the lines of why did you think it was okay for you to play a disabled character? And he, mm. He um, replied that he had consulted a lot of, um, I don't even know if he said that he talked to disabled people. It was more that he just was like, I just thought it was a really good story and worth telling. And they were kind of like, well, that didn't answer the question. (laughs) I think the question was, who did you talk to, to
1: prepare for this role? And he didn't answer that. I think there's also that idea that you know, like it's only able-bodied people that can save disabled people, um, oh, and yeah. you know, like her, like Amelia Clark's character was so brave for taking him on, or so brave for falling in love with him, or working with him. And um, tell you what,
0: that does not—that just like makes my heart sink, mm. because like I'm a single woman with a disability, and I can tell you it's hard out there. Like, mm. there's like mm. a there's actually like actually a thing of like families will tell, like will tell their sons like find a healthy one
1: yeah know? yeah well yeah there's so much i can tell you about that oh me too <laughs>
0: let's not though
1: let's all no. right it's a beautiful <laughs>
0: sunny day outside and i want to keep it that way <laughs> mm. But yeah so there's like i think that's why it's so important to have someone with lived experience on board for the project or like playing the character because like if you don't ha- if you don't have to live with that i wasn't aware of these things before i was disabled i don't think i think yeah. i could have like um if i thought about it long enough i probably could have imagined that this was the case but yeah. um there had i had no reason like to think yeah. about it and now it's like um my reality and i just think that's why it, i don't know that for me that's why the the whole and i, I hesitate to say this cuz i don't use a wheelchair but cripping up thing like i'm not a wheelchair user so i feel a bit like yeah. <laughs> Like uncomfortable using that phrase. Um, yeah. Why? Why is that? Why is like? Um, I know that you recently, uh, I think it was last year, had you started the hashtag #crippingthemighty.
1: Oh, I didn't start it. No. Um, oh, Alice, I'm
0: sorry.
1: No, that's okay. I, I was one of the main people. Um. Sorry, who main, started it? Alice Wong, who oh, um, yeah. the Disability Visibility Project. Um. And so the Mighty had published an article. Um. About so the Mighty. Sorry, the Mighty is a website. Of, about disability and most of the contributors on there are parents. There are some people with actual disabilities on their writing as well. But um, they've been quite problematic in how they portray disability with um, stories like the, uh, very much inspiration porn or um, or quite negative portrayals of Um, people with disabilities so a lot of parents were writing about you know their kids meltdowns in Walmart and Mm -hmm. how they had to you know change their kids nappies and things like that and like really losing the dignity um Mm -hmm. so I think there was an article about autism how they made um a meltdown into a game or something
0: oh meltdown yeah I read
1: that Yeah. yeah yeah And I mean, I'd had a problem for the May for some time, and I wrote for them. Like, I, I I didn't actually write a new article for them. I would um, submit stuff that I'd already written, and then they'd republish and they they edited it quite, um, quite a lot actually. They edited all my swearing out of there. And I mean, I don't swear a lot, but I swear for impact or irrelevance or whatever yeah. you call. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they edited that, and they edited it. I don't know. Americanized my writing. I hate. I hate that. I hate it when they Americanize my Australian English or English English. Um, so I, I had a problem with it for a while and I, I remember commenting on some stuff a while ago and, and I was in the writer's group as well um, on Facebook. They have a writer's group and we, me and a few other people who have disabilities and are writers will try and educate the parents about the problems with inspiration porn and a lot of them couldn't handle that term. Like they, they said it was too dirty and they just can't accept that there's such a term inspiration porn and um, they, they were very – and th- they also didn't understand the, the need to protect their children's privacy online mm-hmm. and I've written a bit about that and boy did I cop it when I wrote about that because mm-hmm. I'm not a parent so I can't write about this. Anyway, um, so in December there was that autism bingo thing and I think that um, – it, the, the hashtag, Cripping the Mighty, Cripping was a reclamation. Is that a word? Re- you know, like re- yeah, reclaiming yeah, yeah. the word crip as a slur but now, uh, you know, ownership for people with disabilities. I don't personally use the word crip mm. for me but a lot of my friends do and that, that's okay. Um, but I, so Cripping was about, um, I guess, making them the mighty more more full of disability. Mm, yeah mm, like you know increasing the level of people with disability um, making it more centered
0: because wasn't part of the issue that the people who the editors and the people who run the mighty are not actually disabled themselves
1: yeah and it's complete like i mean they don't pay us to um you know contribute so they're getting i remember researching their revenue it was a huge amount of revenue they're getting um and also they um they i don't know they they don't they don't under they don't understand they, they don't have the lived experience it's so parent focused it's mm-hmm. and there's a place for that but when the parents voices and carers voices are overtaking disabled voices I think that's a problem and when um people are suggesting that people with disabilities are burdens and there was a lot of stories like that on there um you know mm-hmm. I find it really hard to read when especially you know I read stories of Parents with my con- with of, of kids with my condition ichthyosis, and they are um, you know often saying what a drag it is for their kids' clothes. I mean, their kids oil to get on their clothes, and the skins all over the house, and yeah, that that can be quite hard. So um, the mighty uh, so the mighty um, writers group when this was all happening, it was really divided. And we, me and um, a few other people, like Kara Libovich and Karen, um, I can't remember Karen's surname, but Karen writes at Claiming Crip. Anyway, so we were, you know, trying to educate people in the writers' group about why this was wrong, you know, why, why the mighty um, has taken the wrong path and how maybe they can improve start by paying writers um start by listening to us start by reducing the amount of inspiration porn and we would post things from Stella Young uh, as you know trying to try and explain inspiration porn and we would um give examples of really great you know pieces of work and then one day <laughs> it was about midnight American time me and Kara and some other people, suddenly got ousted from the group, right? <laughs> and like we were, the, we were really vocal, but I don't think we were impolite, hmm. in what we were saying. Um, we suddenly got ousted. And then Kara was really upset because she just had a meeting with them about how they could improve. And then that day, I think it was that even that day. And then she got ousted. Um, and then we spoke with someone. I think we spoke with the Washington Post about what happened. And then um, we, I wrote an open letter to them, and Cara did as well. We both didn't get answered. They, I think they still follow me on Twitter, which is amusing. And they were still sharing. They still share my stuff on Facebook. But um, you know, I, it, it was really badly done. And it's again like with me before you. Uh, I think a lot of people will get the impression of disability from The Mighty and they'll get the impression of disability from Me Before You before they actually listen to people and read people's work that actually have disability. Mm. Well, mm.
0: someone made – I was reading about Me Before You, I think, last night and someone made a good point that um, if um, – that like even though it might have been you that made this point, I'm sorry for <laughs> <what? laughs> once. Oh, sorry, if uh, it's a good <laughs> if it's a good point we'll, we'll say yeah, it was you I'll no it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but someone made the point that like you know there probably are people with acquired paraplegia who would rather die but that's all we see like in the that's all yeah. we see in sort of – i think
1: someone made a point on my post they yeah. made they- yeah. My post. yeah I yeah. didn't I didn't want to debate that and I think that that's true like we shouldn't invalidate those experiences so.
0: yeah like they're definitely pro- like and the, I think the point was that there have been a lot there's been a lot of um able-splaining on social media of like able able-bodied people who don't have disabilities coming in and saying well there probably are people who have those experiences and those feelings just like the Sam Claflin character so mm-hmm. why shouldn't their stories be told and mm-hmm. I think that like the point is not that um this story story should never be told, but just that this, this is what we keep getting, and we yep. keep getting either like the um, uh the super crip as they as I think um Stella Young used to call them, or yeah. you know or we get the um, pitiable objects that yeah. that are just there to change the lives of mm. the able bodied protagonist. Yeah, and, yeah
1: exactly. Mm. Yeah. I... And they
0: die for, you know, it's it's the same thing as, like, um, in comics, you know, fridging w- wives and women and stuff. It's like, you know, they have to die so that the, the you know, beautiful, normal protagonists, white protagonists can be um, yeah, mm. inspired into greater acts of heroism. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a real like. I think that's like it's not. It's more to the point is that we need um, more diversity in our narratives. Yeah, we do.
1: Mm. And you know, why can't it be a, a, an incidental kind of character? You know, like you see, um, I don't know, like on The Secret Life of Us, for example, when Deb Mailman was clearly playing an Indigenous woman because she is an Indigenous woman, and there was wait, refer- what? <laughs> <laughs> You know, The Secret Life of Us, the the TV no, show. I know.
0: Sorry, I was just making yeah, a joke. Yeah. Deb Mailman's well, Indigenous. Sorry. yeah yeah, <laughs> so
1: you know you know what I mean like she she yeah. but her but her um it, her culture was incidental to the role mm. and so mm. there was reference to it, and you know rightly so, but they there they never had to explain a backstory whereas like with with a character with disability, you always have to explain a backstory, how did you get like this um you know it's always what, something
0: traumatic it's, and
1: horrible, um yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. I don't. I don't ever think that we will get. Well, maybe not in our lifetime. That we will get that. And I know when I write, um, not, maybe not not so much for daily life, but if I write for another publication, I always have to explain the backstory, and I'm quite tired of doing that. You know, because no one can accept that you can just be and not have to explain the way you look or the way you function.
0: But like, is not your backstory? Just you were born like this?
1: Like, <laughs> like, yeah.
0: But you know, I have to admit, people do that to me all the time because of my accent. It's just like any any s- the smallest point of difference, and you have to like have this conversation thirty yeah. times a day. Um, yeah. And it's like my whole backstory is just that I was born, and this has, and this is just who I am, and I have continued to be that. And it's like I've, yeah. people want, like they're like, oh, you're so exotic, and I'm sure you get this kind <laughs> of thing as well. Like you know. Like oh you just you're the first person like you I've ever met and I'm like, like well I just I've just kept being me this whole thirty years so
1: yeah I had a doctor the other day who was great like a really lovely doctor and he said oh you're my first patient with ichthyosis and he was really excited it was quite cute so <laughs> I think he was going to um you know endeavour to really treat me well so that's good <laughs> oh
0: well, that's good yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah no it can be a bit difficult sometimes um, yeah when um. That's actually something I wanted to talk to you about. Is uh, I had a I had a quote written down from your blog um, mm-hmm. that you say you say you are stared at, commented on, and teased every day. Mm. And I just wanted to talk about that because I think um, a lot of people might sort of read every day and kind of see that as like um, a rhetoric device, like you mm-hmm. know, like like a, a sorry, a figurative device, like, but it, it literally is every it's day, literally- isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm not exaggerating here. Um, a lot of times, you know, people will do a double take or, you know, they'll be talking with their friend walking down the street and then they'll see me and they'll stop. Um, and then like last night I remember some woman just turned right around to have a look at me. Um, oh, We went into a pub the other day and there was some people outside smoking and they were um, – you know, like they, they had this look of concern and then pity. And then, uh, you know, like they turned around and looked at me and then one of the guys goes, Oh, have a lovely night, darling. Oh God. You know, (laughs) so I
0: I had, um, like I have a really different experience when I do have to use a wheelchair sometimes and Mm -hmm. people all of a sudden just like looking at me with that, that sad pity in their eyes. And they like, Mm -hmm. you know, will just sort of say like, they'll just sort of like, Run to catch the elevator door and just pop their head in and say, "I just want to, I just want to let you know, I, I think you're beautiful."
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> Oh, I just read that article the other day about um. it was written by Ellen Stumbo, and it was, um. I'll send it to you, it was so good. It was about how she had to sit in her daughter's wheelchair for something, like a daughter was doing something and then she just thought while she's waiting she'll sit in her daughter's wheelchair and she got this look of pity like, oh, you're really beautiful and she just realised that that's how people with disabilities are spoken to. Yeah. Like there was this kind of real condescension. Yeah, mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, it I was. I, uh...
0: Like I, when the guy said it to me, I took it as a compliment because normally I wouldn't, but like on this particular weekend, I had just done four days at the National Young Writers Festival, um, going up and down the hills of Newcastle and, um, doing, um, you know, panels and, and, um, hosting things and stuff. And I was exhausted. And I think like, you know, I just was like, thanks. (laughs) You know I was like, sort of like, I would take any, like anyone who sort of recognized how like Um, impressive it was for me to be out and about I was kind of like you know what thanks yeah it's been a really hard weekend
1: (laughs) I think there are genuine compliments but then also there's not um I get a bit of oh but you're still beautiful or um,
0: oh yeah no no this still still negates the
1: whole compliment (laughs) I know um there's that but you know then then there's these really awkward situations like I get sore from my skin and I ask them for a seat on the train and sometimes like most of the time, you know, maybe 90% of the time people are great and and they're always like, yep, you know, fine, that's fine, they'll get up and a few weeks ago, probably, no, probably about three weeks before my wedding, um, there was this guy on the train that wouldn't give me a seat and it was so awful and I, I pointed out that it was an accessible seat. It was signed as an accessible seat and he kept on looking at the sign and I said I wouldn't have asked if I didn't need one and then I walked off. I said, look, don't worry about it. It's fine and I stood in the middle of the train and then he got up and then he started telling me that it was a race issue and that if I he wasn't black I wouldn't be asking him for a seat I said this isn't a race issue at all you've made it a race issue I was asking for a seat because I needed one I said I asked politely and you didn't give me one and that's really disappointing and anyway so then he said that he had a bad back and I said well you could have told me that and just said that you needed a seat and I'm sure someone else would have got up and then he told me that I shouldn't even be out working and no one no one said anything no one else got up for a seat and I think one of the hard things, and I don't know whether you've encountered this as well, but being an online writer, um, when I wrote when I wrote about what happened, the reactions, some of the reactions, were worse than the actual event. So mm-hmm. people were telling me, "Oh, but maybe he really did have a bad back." I'm like, "We well, have told me he had a bad back." You know, they're saying, "Well, maybe he's just never seen someone like you before." I'm like, That's no excuse. Um, you know what? I'm... <laughs> I find that there's that, I guess it is a form of able-splaining where people are, um, you know, telling me how I should feel or, or saying, oh, look at it this way, give him the benefit of the doubt. And this happens so many times that when when I talk about the discrimination that I and others face, people will try and put a positive spin on it. You know, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, like when I got abused in a taxi a few years ago, I got abused by a driver who um, asked me, what was on my face, and then he told me I smelt. And then he worried that my face would ruin his car, as if I'd be rubbing my face against the seats, which I don't do in any car let alone a taxi. But anyway, say,
0: that's your first <laughs> problem,
1: Kylie. Stop rubbing your face on people's <laughs> seats. Yeah, I'm like a dog that slobbers everywhere. um You know. <laughs> anyway, so I uh, I wrote about it on my blog, and I used my blog post to um, put. Um, three lodged three complaints one to the taxi company one to the taxi commission and then one eventually to the human rights commission and it made national news it was a bit weird to be like the top news story for this for a couple of days it wasn't a good experience and the comments that I received from strangers were like well of course he was worried about you know your face he's probably never seen someone like you before of course he had to ask you you're not like you know a regular disability it was a really it was really hard like that that kind of response was probably worse than the taxi driver's um, harassment, Hmm. you know? Hmm. Yeah.
0: What do you think about like, I mean, it's it's basically people saying like that ignorance of a disability is like a license to treat people badly.
1: Yeah, I agree. yeah, I think that there's there is that it's that kind of excuse. Um I went I was trying to find something that I wrote the other day and I I went went back and found an article um uh I think I don't even know what it was about, but it was about people making excuses for bad behavior because of disability, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I it was when I did No Limits actually, when I did the TV show and I met this girl who um kept on asking me about my skin and it got really awkward like she just wouldn't stop and I said I'm not here to talk about my skin anymore, I'm here to do the TV show or whatever and someone sort of said oh but she's got you know such and such a condition and and that's why she's asking and for me, I don't know like th- there's that kind of ignorance but then there's I don't know an ignorance that doesn't involve a disability as well and I, I actually don't take either of them. I know that might sound ableist on my part but if I've asked someone to stop asking me or stop staring then... I don't, you know, I, I would expect them to somehow stop. Yeah, because
0: like I think surely um, basic sort of interpersonal manners would have to mm-hmm. trump um, curiosity in that case. Oh, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't though, it
1: does. does it? No, and I think one of the hard things, especially with being so vocal about mine, and and it's I I don't I wouldn't give it up. I wouldn't give up blogging or writing because of these reactions but sometimes when I write about it, I even get people with ichthyosis tell me that I I should just take it, I should use every moment as an educative experience or that wasn't really that bad, I've had worse, um, you know, and then I have to argue with them. Um, mm. I have to, you know, if, if I talk about being impolite to someone to tell someone to fuck off, which I don't often but, you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's deserved, um you know, I will if if they're absolutely rude to me. I will, um, and it, it's it's very rare. But and I, I even feel like I have to justify that now to you. But yeah, when when I talk about that stuff, when I say I was rude or whatever, I you know, and I openly admit I I would be as rude back as they were to me. I have people say, but, you know, you should have been polite and that, you know, you catch more flies with honey and uh, it, it's yeah, that. My thing about, about that saying, right, is
0: who wants to <laughs> catch flies, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Since I when do I want more
1: flies, right? Yeah. Like. <laughs> and I, I find that really, really tough that there's this expectation that we should just take it, that we should be meek and mild. And um, I remember writing um, something after my – the taxi incident and after all the media stuff happened and the reactions to it from other people and i i said that there is this expectation that we will just be meek and mild and put up with anything that we get
0: it's almost and- like that's meant to be our um uh the price that we pay for being in public spaces like mm. for existing mm-hmm. like <laughs> there is a kind of a thing of like that i'm sort of constantly battling against even in myself this kind of internalized um, I guess ableism of like, um, you know, a kind of shared cultural history that, you know, previous times you would have been left on a mountainside to die. You would have been killed as a baby, like that kind of thing. Mm. Um, is like it, even if it's not spoken, I think it continues in the kind of language we use, like burden and stuff like that, because now like, you know, you've been allowed to live until adulthood, and your burden like yeah. and it's really hard because having a chronic condition like i do it's it's hard to shake that off and to feel like you aren't constantly like just supposed to be grateful for still mm. being allowed to like be a person
1: yeah you and like I mean? being being grateful to have a job or um you know for me and i don't i i know i said i don't really talk about my day job which i don't but i've been really sick this year and and the guilt that's come with being off work has mm. been more and I, I don't use the word crippling lightly but more crippling than the pain I felt because of my skin and I, and I felt because I look the same every day people are gonna say well why you were all right yesterday you know you posted a picture on social media of you out at dinner and why are you not not good today I mean they've never said that but there's that there's that perception that I feel um, really worried about. And mm-hmm. I remember I remember one day I'd been out to see um, a band and I was so excited. It's my, you know, my favourite band, Bob Evans. Um, he sang at my wedding, which was amazing. Oh,
0: I saw but, that. I was so jealous. Oh.
1: Uh, and I remember going out that night and I was really sore. He played at this tiny venue called The Toffing Town. I was pretty sore. And by then, like, I think that must have been about 2007 or 2008. And so I, like, I knew him. He knew me. Like you know, he knew me as a fan. I don't. We might have been talking on Twitter then, but um, you know, like he knew he knew my I existed. And um, I I remember sitting on the side of the stage watching him play, and I thought like there was no other there was nowhere else to sit. And, you know, van, like venues don't give you a seat often. Mm, uh, but nice. I just wanted. to at the front. So I sat sort of, on the, I wasn't obstructing anyone's view, but I sat at the side of the stage. And the next morning I got into work and I, I had infection on my face and I felt, and my face was so sore and it was, I, it was so hot and burning and I didn't want to look at anyone. I didn't want to look at myself because I just felt so hideous with this infection. And cause you know, cause it was yellow staff, horrible. And I remember going too. like my manager asked me what was wrong and I started crying and, and I, she said to me, why did you come in? And I said, because I went to see a band last night and I felt guilty for being out and then my main responsibility is to come to work. And I remember what she said. She said, you know, your main responsibility is to look after your health. And I remember going home and um, and then I missed out on, like that's the only time I missed out on seeing him actually because I was sick because um, he had another show the next night and I didn't end up going because I was too unwell, but um, and I think I maybe went to hospital. But, um, you know, I, there's that kind of guilt, there's that pressure to be, you know, because I've been given an opportunity to work and been given lots of opportunities, I have to perform at 120%. Mm. And yeah, so yeah. that's why when I'm at home, like, I do most of my writing in bed mm. um, because I need to conserve that energy. And I think, um, you know, if if people think that, I have a lot more energy than I do. Yeah, I have. I have lots of energy, but I also conserve it in a way that helps me. And you know, my, I guess my priority is going, um, you know, my, my skin and then my day job. Mm. It has to. Does that pace me to be able to do all these things?
0: Well, that comes back to something that we were sort of briefly discussing before we turned the mics on, which was um, the oppression Olympics among people uh-huh. with different chronic conditions and disabilities. <laughs> And I know that when I was thinking about like when I was listening to your story about, um, asking the man on the train for a seat, um, oh. I have had a, like a sort of similar experience where, um, I was sitting in the priority seating and there was plenty of seats. Um, yeah. but I really needed it. Um, yeah. and also it's hard, like the Brisbane buses you have to get to get to the other seats, like the non-priority seats, you have to go up a couple of steps. And oh, yeah, um, yeah. on this day, I just couldn't do steps. And, um, I was in a lot of pain, you know, very, very fatigued and um anyway, this woman sat down next to me, and she had a seat, so like you know and I, I guess um she I think she walked with a cane and um she uh, started giving me hass about the fact that I was sitting in the priority seating and like pointing out the sign and saying like this is for people with disabilities and stuff and I was like uh, and i had i think it was I think it was the very bus trip back from Centrelink where I mm. had just been. Told that I was now on the disability support pension, and I had been told by the central League employee that I wasn't actually disabled because I was really confused about. I was like, I think I was like nearly crying in the appointment. I was because it's like I think like this like this is like a whole other topic. But this whole thing that like you know people like um you know Ray Hadley and um you know the courier mail and stuff. They want to say stuff. They 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 make it sound like young people are just like grasping for the disability support pension and like yes yes oh, give me that sweet pension but mm-hmm. when you actually like get told you know after years and years of like trying to make everything work and trying to like keep yourself afloat you're gonna have to go on a pension because you're that yeah. sick man mm-hmm. I did not feel triumphant I felt relieved because I I, you know, I was gonna have a, a living a, a living income an income I could live on Mm-mm. but um yeah and then I had and then on the bus you know on the way home from this so I'm sitting there trying not to cry and thinking about like what the hell has happened to my life and this woman's like um giving me hassle saying I'm not you know I'm supposed to be sitting here and stuff and mm-hmm. um I think I was thinking about that because like you know it's like if someone with a visible disability asked me to stand up um well I I know I would I would say to them oh, I've got a disability I have to sit down and they would probably be like yep cool but not but
1: always. There's that kind of coming out process, you know, where sorry, sorry, could you repeat that? There's that kind of coming out process, mm. you know, where just the strangers that you have to declare that you have a disability because you need a seat, and so if they make you feel worth, uh, like unworthy of a seat, then then you feel unworthy in yourself. And you, you think, mm. well, maybe I don't have it that bad. Um, you know, I've definitely had people in in my life, especially with a disability, um, make me feel guilty directly or indirectly for having it better than them you know so to speak totally
0: totally and that was the really hard part is I hadn't really come out and it took a good year of deep deep processing mm. to get to a point where I could even like claim the word you know and um yeah I mean like well we were talking about the oppression olympics this comes up a lot uh especially there's like this there's all these weird sort of arbitrary divides between people with invisible disabilities, people with visible yeah. disabilities. And I know that, like, you and I both kind of... Um, you do a lot more work for appearance diversity than I do, but I feel like a lot of my work sort of touches on that. Um, but in a, from sort of, like, from different ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, because people make assumptions about you based on your appearance, and they do that to me too. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And they're, like, very different and yet the same Simi- experiences of yeah. disability.
1: I think that maybe, like I said before, I look the same, and so people that don't know me might not see that I'm sore inside. Like you can't, mm. you can't see my pain. You know, yeah. I'm, it's yeah. like it's not like my skin looks in, well. It might look a bit redder, but I'm normally always covered up, so you, you're not going to see that I'm in pain. Like you know, I met another friend with um, a skin condition, and I could physically see her pain. Like it looked a lot a lot sorer than mine and and I really felt for her but for me um I don't feel like people that would see me you know even in the workplace wouldn't know that I'm in a lot of pain Yeah, yeah I have a at the moment I've got a really sore tooth and I have to have it out and um my I'm quite worried about it because I need to go to the hospital to then to be put I have to go to the dermatologist to then go to get the surgeon's like referral because I can't just have it in a dentist's seat because it needs to have, you know, proper sterile, you know, not that the dentist wouldn't be sterile, but I need to have a proper recovery period and an anesthetic and all of that. And, The other – yesterday, my tooth was really, really sore and I went and I kept on Googling all these home remedies and then I ended up getting some gel and I've been taking some painkillers and my boss actually, who's known me for a very long time, she actually said, you know, yeah, your face does look swollen and go buy a thermometer and if you get any pain over the weekend, you know, go to hospital. I said, okay, (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) It is good when people know, you know, really get it and I've been to the point of um, really – more disclosure the better for me because and that might be to other people's detriment oh no not again she's talking about skin but um oh I have something to tell you about that actually um soon I'll tell you in a minute um but you know like the more I tell someone at work about what I need or or on the train or you know at a hospital the more it will benefit me and them as well because they know what I'm capable of um yeah, so yeah. I am really open about it. But I remember, um, you know, we were talking a bit off when the microphones are off about copying bad stuff on the internet. And when, um, and I think you're going to talk about this in a minute. But when Reddit happened to me um, a few years ago, I got lots of bad comments from different people who had seen it in the media. And um, one of the worst comments was, and it was, it's such a stupid comment now when I think about it. And then I think, uh, and, and then I think, well, you know, he sang at my wedding. I don't think he sang at yours. Um, I got this comment about how like. Um, I'm someone re- like kn- knew me and came to comment on my blog and started telling everyone what a bore I was and how the only thing I had to talk about was ichthyosis, Darren Hayes, and Bob Evans. <laughs> 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 and, and I remember like when we got all our photos back and um, I was looking at my photos of Bob Evans singing at my wedding and um, at our wedding and then. I I thought of that comment, like, you know, uh, I've been such a fan that all I can talk about is Bob Evans, and then he came to sing at our wedding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would say that outweighs a couple of people, you know, having a a whinge about you on the internet, but... It's not nice a bit why do, why do people I don't know what
1: oh. oh do you know I'm going to write about this soon actually I've got a draft post up and Adams approved it I asked him about what I can post on the internet but mm. a few weeks ago last week actually um, I put up a post or no the week before I put up a post about our wedding I've been doing some you know a series of posts about our wedding and I put up a post about all the clothes and there was only a couple of pictures there and he's he's really serious and he often doesn't smile for the camera and all day we were coming. Go, go on Adam smile smile and there's a few ones of him smiling but overall he was looking very supermodel like, very serious. And someone mm-hmm. left a comment about how he always looks spaced out on drugs and that it's sad that he's a drug addict even on our wedding day. And I was so hurt by this. I'm oh my god. And I what? I don't know I was anyway, I'm like, you know, Adam and I have never ta- like, I've never taken a drug in my life. i you know And I've you taken- shouldn't
0: have to be put in a position where you're justifying
1: No your and, drug or non drug use. Like use drugs um you know if anything he drinks far less than I do and I don't even drink that much um and I, I was messaging a couple of friends about it and I was talking in a bloggers group about what happened and I'm like oh god I feel terrible like I feel like I brought this on myself to him because he doesn't deserve this and anyway so people were saying don't tell him and then anyway I, I got home and he you know he got home a bit after me and I said I have to tell you something and I was like in tears and I'm like someone left this awful comment on my blog today and, oh. and he's like they're just words." And I said, yeah, but I feel like I've brought it on to you because you didn't ask for this. You know, I ask you everything that I can post online. And anyway, so I've written a post about that, about why, you know, about the, the, their word bombs that, you know, people mm. don't think about the impact. Mm. You know, well, it, I mean, it's yeah, laughable and defamatory really, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. I think that's mm. the thing is like, you know, people go, oh, words – Words are just words. It's like, yeah, well, we have defamation laws, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I think they forget about that. Yeah.
0: I know. I, I mean, they like, there's the other thing that's like the, um, uh, you know, critical mass of words as well. Like, it, you know, people get like, sometimes people get a bit defensive when I ask them to stop asking me about my accent. Like people are like Uber drivers, people I've just met, you know. And they Mm. want to know, they're like, they really want to dig deep into my heritage. And I'm just like, you know, I really would just like to, you know, get through a day without having to explain where I'm from.
1: That's um, kind of like me with my skin. Like, you know, if, if one person has asked me, if you're the one person that's asked me, the chances are five other people have asked beforehand. And it's yeah. tiring, you know, especially in the summer. It's that's what
0: fun. I That's what I actually had to say to this Uber driver the other day because um, he really didn't want to let it go, you know, and I was kind of like, oh, mate, I'm not really into this. Can we just not talk about this, you know? And he <laughs> yeah, was yeah. like, oh, it's like he was like he got a bit defensive and he was like, well, it's an icebreaker, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, well, the ice is well and truly broken for me because... <laughs> You're like the third person in two days to ask me about it, and you know I always try and get through it as quickly as possible by just yeah. saying my parents are Californian, because uh, no one's satisfied with say with my parents are American. No one's satisfied with that. They want to know where in America. I say California. <laughs> they want to know where in California. I'm like oh. you don't know it. They're like no come on. I'm like you don't know it. Like <laughs> also now we're talking about where my parents are from. <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> you don't even know them. Like... Yeah. It's not relevant to you or to like what we're, you know, what we're doing here today, which is driving me to
1: a location. (laughs) If people want to know about my skin, it's not relevant to them. Like I don't want someone to learn something from meeting me, you know? I mean, not just from having a simple conversation. I mean, yeah, they can learn something if I was to go in depth about it, but I don't know. I don't want to be their teachable object all the time.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And like I had a really unpleasant experience last week where um I so I'm like um quite often housebound and Mm -hmm. um from my from my condition uh and I actually managed to make it to the shopping center last week to do a bit of shopping and this is kind of the thing is like I don't get I don't have a lot of energy and like the energy I do have usually goes to stuff that's like you know not that interesting like Mm. doing my shopping or like laundry which kind of sucks because I don't get to go and do like you know like I don't get to spend it on like hanging out with my friends, because if I do that, then i get home and there's no food. Um, yeah, 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 you have so to weigh I was up. Like, Yeah, yeah, like, so so you got to weigh everything up, and, like, I was really, like, but I was still thrilled to be out of the house and to be at the shops, and um, I was also very nervous about, like, overdoing it. So anyway, I was in the elevator, and my housemate had come with me, and um, she's new to the area, and she was saying, like, oh, I don't know where the stairs are. Um, I couldn't find the stairwell. And I said, like, we were in the lift, and we just gotten in, and I said, oh, actually, I was talking to her, right? private conversation and I said um I actually don't know where the stairs are because I never take them um so they must be a bit hidden and this man who was standing with his little daughter in the lift next to us um like actually like leaned over and like sort of like injected himself into our conversation and (laughs) said well you're fit enough
1: Ah. lazy
0: people take the elevator and Ah. I was like and I was just like so upset because I had felt so proud that I had walked, you know, across the car park, across the whole car park, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, I was just kind of like, how is this, how, how was your, your opinion was not needed, but Mm -hmm. also I felt like I felt this immediate obligation to start explaining to Mm -hmm. him why he was wrong. And then I was just, but I was so tired, and I was saving all my energy for the walk back across the car park. Yeah, and um, I was just like, I just thought to myself, I'm not as, I'm not as fucking lesson,
1: like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, know, it's not like, and it's just. This, this assumption, you know, um, I and a, a bit different to you, but I get a lot of people come up to me to tell me off for being so stupid in the sun. Like oh, I remember geez. there was there was one day when it was one of those really hot de- you know hot days in Melbourne. It was forty five degrees or something, and I'd gone to see two movies at the shopping centre, and I was so hot, like that, so I just went to see back to back movies, and I. I covered up completely because I didn't want to get sunburned on the walk to the train station, which is only like a two minute walk. But I you know, I still didn't want to get sunburned. And then because my body doesn't regulate its temperature very well, I get cold. I get hot and I get cold and hot. Anyway, so I in between the movies I'd gone to this sunny bit of the shopping centre to sun you know, to get some sun, like undercover still, but you know, it was a blast <laughs> roof. And this lady came up to me and she started yelling at me for how did I get myself so sunburned and she was shaking her fist at me and, and she did not want to hear that I was you know that I was born like this, and uh, I, that kind of thing you know it's just oh, so tiring. Wow. I remember when I was in New York when I first got to new york um and even even in California, there were a lot of people um that you know would would tell me how sunburned I was, and it was that kind of critical mass thing that you talked about because it's you know so populated, and I just get so tired of this in your face kind of looking and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the hardest thing, like you were saying, you know, you were so proud of going out to the shopping centre and you were going to have a great day and then this happens to you. Um, it's harder when you are having a great day and, you know, I stopped going to music festivals because I couldn't I couldn't deal with the way security treated me at the assumption that I got sunburned. Um mm-hmm. I remember going, you know, going to see bands and just being – you know asked if I'm sunburned you know it's really hard to navigate drunk people so I find that really tough to have to do that and I mean generally people are all right and you know I get looked out for a little bit which is good sometimes I ask for a seat but you know that can be really hard and that can spoil your whole night and I, re- I think I was in the queue for something at a band once and this lady was like, um, it was quite funny, she's like, oh, my God, what happened to your face? And I said I was born like a, you know. <laughs> and then she says, oh, I love what you've done with it. It's so sparkly. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation if it's praised or not. I just I just want to go and get my merchandise and leave, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's another
0: thing is why people feel like um... – if they if they're framing what they're saying as a compliment, they can just keep talking to you, <laughs> and if, even if you don't want to hear it. Like if you're clearly not into it, they're like, "Oh, but I, I love your accent. Oh, I just think it's so different." And like, I'm uh-huh. sure you get that kind of crap as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I get more insults than than compliments about yeah. my. Opinion. But yeah, as I he's... said,
0: I'm like, it's not the same thing, is it, Carly? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no. It's it's I I get it. Like it's the, it's the it's the constantness, constantness, the, you know, the... Constantation. No, that's not a word. <laughs> we're writers here. We can't even think of the word. Hey, we, we're uh, writers. We can invent words. Yeah, well, yeah, I do all the time. Um, you know, <laughs> but it, it's that kind of constant being asked and the constant, uh, I don't know, yeah. It, well, it is... and
0: like, to put to put some of this, like, these, like, harmless little comments people think they're making to you in public, to put that into context, let's talk about Reddit. Let's talk about what uh-huh. happened with Reddit, okay? Uh, so. Okay. You uh, found out that an image of you was being shared without your consent on Reddit, which I don't even know how to explain. Reddit. If you don't want, if you don't know what Reddit is, you live a blessed life. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, um. So you know, I mean, I guess Reddit is a con- content aggregator where people can just post things and then, you know, it gets voted up or down by popularity and um. Lots of people have discussions about things. I I, I assume things are useful on Reddit because a lot of my friends use it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's
0: different forums so- and people were posting in like. I'll go to hell for this poem. uh, forum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there there was two forums actually. There was the What the Fuck Forum and there was the I'll Go to Hell for this forum as well. I got I got done on Reddit three times. Um so I think T shirt for that. (laughs) <laughs> I I actually went to a band, and it was it was Bob Evans. It was Bob Evans. Um, Adam and I talking done... about Bob Evans. I know. Sorry. Let's make... talk about Darren Hayes next. No. Oh gonna... yeah. Talking about Darren Hayes. Um. <laughs> so Adam and I just started going out, and he had come to Bob Evans um three times because he was such a loving boyfriend already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just sat through these concerts three times with me, and you know we'd gone out. I think. And it was a really nice night and I think it was like the, the second last day at work the next day because it was right near Christmas because Bob Evans did some Christmas shows. And we went to um, – so we, we got home and, and I, you know, went went to sleep, woke up. Adam gets up quite early for work and he – so he I woke up when he woke up and I had a look at my stat my blog stats and I hadn't blogged that much that week. Nothing, nothing to say. And I had like three thousand hits on my blog. I thought oh, what's this? Like why are they all coming to my blog? And I saw that they'd come from Reddit and my heart sank. Like, oh my god, oh shit. Anyway, so I read I read the post and it was like me so I just so, so the photo was me at a um event and the event it, it was one of the happiest events of my life actually it was when I met and sorry to name drop again but when I met Alan Mulvey and Roger Corsa from Rush it was that it was that night um I don't so the know photo what any was, of
0: that means oh I'm so, so sorry
1: okay. It's okay it's like dropped me, totally wasted on me it's like me with the Hunger Games. so Callan Mulvey was drastic in Heartbreak High and um anyway Callan <gasps> is now like He's been in Zero Dark Thirty and all these and I, I'm such a fangirl that I, I just love Callan. He was in this show called Rush a few years ago. Anyway, so it was me at the premiere of Rush because I went to this premiere thing, um, I won a competition, and I was holding a glass of champagne. So that was the photo and I was quite dressed up and it was a really happy night. And then there was all these people that were just ridiculing me. Um, it was like, you know, she looks like someone – Whose dog vomited her up? Um, what does her vagina look like? She looks like a tomato? she looks like a lobster um, it was It was hideous, so Damn. initially when I saw that, like there was probably about five hundred comments on there, um, maybe a bit less at that time, maybe maybe a bit less. I think there's about five hundred now. Um, I actually still get traffic from there Perfect. so when <laughs> so when I saw that post. I initially made a Facebook status about it, like someone's mentioned me on Reddit. I don't even remember what the Facebook status said like, and I was pretty resilient, like I think Adam had gone to work by that time and I was pretty resilient, like I didn't really think much of it and I think I linked to the Reddit, um, con- like the link in my Facebook status. So I had a couple of friends that went over there and really defended me. I remember Pip Lincoln was amazing and said something, you know, I think Carly's ace and that, and and then I used my Facebook status and I, I jigged it up a bit to make it a you know, I said, Yes, this is me. Yes, I have ichthyosis. If you wanna find out anything more about it, you can visit my blog and you know, while well, while you were on the internet making fun of someone with a different appearance, I was I'd seen a band and then in the arms of my love and you know, like what how sad is your life kind of thing. Anyway, so I wrote that and then, like, immediately I kept on getting these upvotes. and it, I mean, it doesn't mean much when you think of Reddit as upvotes, but I kind of turned that conversation around. So by posting that this is me, you've just, you know, mocked my appearance, um, you know, hideously, I had turned that around. Um, I then, I, I then, then I got. I think at the end of the day, I even got an apology from the original poster, who said that they googled something like champagne fridge and they found me holding a, bottle, a glass of champagne, and then they thought my hair was on fire, and then they kind of gave me this really backhanded compliment, like sorry kind of thing and anyway but I had people say you know you're so brave and you know we want to buy you a drink if ever you're in America and uh, you know it really did turn the conversation around but at at the time I was just like wow people are awful and then when I got home from work that day I wrote about it on my blog and I included the screenshots of what was said and I didn't think much of it that at like at that time and in the morning I got a tweet from an American CNN um and then I got some other tweets to ask me if I could do some radio with them and my post had gone viral and it was crazy so I did an, an, an radio interview with some, like a phone interview for America's CNN like their news print kind of online print thing mm-hmm. and then I did um and then and then at work so I had to go to work. It was the last day of work for the year and I I just started a new job. And I was – so, I mean, they knew what I did because I actually have to tell them when I, when I was in the media. Like I had to tell the media unit when I was writing something. Oh, right. So I had to yeah. mention yeah. that I was in the media, even if it wasn't to do with what I did. Like I still had to mention that I'm, you know – there. Anyway, so then I got told. Um, so I got, I kept on getting all these messages on my phone, like because I write for Mamma Mia and I've written for News Limited before, or they've written about me. I got like calls from Mamma Mia and News Limited to ask if they could tell my story. I was really nervous about News Limited after what happened with the taxi one because they left the comments on. Um, they actually took the comments off this one, so that was good because I said I don't want to deal with any more comments. I've already dealt with Reddit. Like I can't I can't deal with any more news comments. Um, then the Daily Mail contacted me and I said no to their story but then they published it anyway their comments were like (laughs) their comments were like the best ones that I've seen they were really positive they put my video on there and it had like it's got like 10,000 views because it was on the Daily Mail's website so that that was pretty positive um and then so Adam and I went back to Aubrey for Christmas that night um and my friend texted me going, Carly, you're on the project. I'm like, wow, Charlie Pickering's mentioned me, which is really lovely. And he had presented me with an award a couple of weeks before that and he um mentioned my writing and that was really lovely. Okay, hold um, up,
0: hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Charlie Pickering presented you with an award? Yeah, he did. Um, you see, I, have
1: you touched him? <laughs> What's I, his hair like up close? <laughs> He is quite cute. Yes, I remember. I remember seeing him at the Melbourne Writers Festival a few years ago, like many years ago now, probably two thousand and ten. And I had a friend with me who had a complete crush on him, and we were in the lift with him. And I'm like, I'd, I'd seen him before at, at an event at the Project. I think I'd been to the Project and met him there. And um, and I said, and Lucy, my friend, was in the lift, and she could not speak to him. She was just so starstruck, starstruck. So. At the, in that year, in 2013, I'd won a Urella Media Award um, for Best Online Commentary. I've won a few of those ones. I actually declined one as well because of the Urella abuse, so I've won three but only accepted two. Um, so anyway, he was there. He was the host of that and the project won an award there as well. And and so he had presented me with an award a few, or he had um, MC'd it, or whatever. I don't know whether he presented. But anyway, he was there when I was on stage and I think I shook his hand. <laughs> and so... He, he was um, talking me up with on the project, which was really lovely. And, I, you know, the, the news coverage was huge. And I think even 18 months later, there was news coverage. Um, I actually saw one the other day where this person with ichthyosis initially was commenting on how I shouldn't be telling my story because it's just drawing attention to myself. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. Um,
0: I'm so, sorry. I just find that so funny because... Um... Uh, a lot of what you, <laughs> excuse me, a lot of what you write and talk about is the negative attention that you get just by existing. Yeah. So, like, the idea that you're trying to, like, turn that into a positive for yourself and, like, take control of your own narrative and that being somehow, like, you just being attention-seeking. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, then... After after this one instance of Reddit happened, um, it, there was so much media attention and it was just before Christmas and then it happened again after Christmas as well and the c- comments on their thing was awful like I had death threats you know like I should be killed with fire um I didn't know what to do I didn't know whether to tell the police or not um I was talking with Asher Wolf who is a um, online activist as well and she was sort of telling me what I could do and then I had to go on Sunrise no not Sunrise the other one on Studio 10 I talked a bit about it on Studio 10 and it was still happening like I was still getting heaps of messages on my blog and Adam was moderating them that's when that that comment about me being a bore came through <laughs> um but Adam was moderating them to, so I wouldn't have to see them because they were just so bad um yeah. you know and it, it was horrible I just yeah and I wrote about what it's like to go viral last year mm. um yeah a friend of mine actually just went viral um and I asked him how he was doing he said yeah he's all right he's a bit tired but um I think like the support the level of support he got um for what he went viral for was much different to, to mine interesting so it was pretty amazing though like I mean I still get traffic from Reddit I still get traffic from that that one and I when what I did was I posted my own um my links on the forum as well so that people would go by my link not you know not their link mm-hmm. so so that was good um yeah so I was getting a lot I, I got a lot of support and I had Someone actually commented, one of the comments was from a man that we actually met on a ferry in New York. Like, hey, I know this girl. I met her on a ferry in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it was so weird. I don't, you know, and that it, there wasn't longevity in it. Like I know a lot of bloggers especially they want to go viral but there's no longevity in going viral. Yeah, you know?
0: no, no. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite bloggers, I found her because she went viral and then, um, you know like a couple of years later, she's only got like, you know, <laughs> the same amount of followers she had yeah. before. It Like, yeah. you know, it sort of blew up and then died down and she's yeah. still just doing her thing.
1: Yep, yep, same. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, I mean it was, it, I I really worry though because this, this doesn't only happen to me and, you know, it's happened to friends of mine whose photos were used on YouTube. It's happened to, um, you know, people that are a lot less strong Than I am unfortunately, you know, really resilient. But if it happens to people that, you know, have mental illness or really low self-esteem or don't feel uh, equipped to handle it, that's really hard. A lot of people ask me, you know, for advice about being a blogger and and one of the things I said is tell someone that you're blogging or writing online but that that they aren't your parent, that they understand um, what it's like to write online because my mum and dad were great but they told me just to switch off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't just switch off when you're an online writer. So, you know, tell someone that gets it, that understands what it's like. And, I mean, I don't know. I think that the abuse would be tenfold if it happened now. Like, I, you know, the, the time in internet world is so different to the time in real-life world. And, you know, to see what things that Clem Ford, for example, gets thrown at her is just awful. And I, I can't imagine it happening to me this year, you know? Mm.
0: No, mm. I actually, like... Um hold back on writing things because I see what happens to Clem Ford. And mm. I know that's terrible because that means that those people who are trying to shut her up are, are winning. winning, you know, if there is, if there can be a winner in this horrible situation, yeah, that no, is I'm the not- internet. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it sucks. I-, I think it, like, makes me, um, it makes me more cautious online. And I have, like, like the last couple of months had um, uh, a couple of my tweets kind of go, not like quite viral, but like get picked up by um, quote unquote weird twitter uh, mm. or like mr m r a Twitter found me, and that was really unpleasant um, they I had tweeted a joke and they did not think it was a joke. they took it sincerely and <laughs> um started sharing screenshots around without the context, um saying like you know feminists want to you know kill men and i wasn 't even saying kill men i said I said, okay, the joke was, and this is <laughs> not even be- not even a very good joke and this is what was so baffling to me it was I was like I was like you know like I know that it's going to get like 3 likes and then I'm just going to forget about it but I said um maybe we're going about the gender gap gender wage gap the whole all the wrong way instead of paying women more let's just pay men less um, <laughs> and oh my god <laughs> like and I got jumped on by it was kind of amazing because it was like a perfect storm I got jumped on by mra twitter um weird twitter sharing it around with the um the thinking emoticon you know the hmm oh, yeah. like you know as if like you know to point out how stupid is this person and she thinks this is a solution like <laughs> um and then like uh and then like you know you have that thing with Australian Twitter where and then night falls and you go to bed and then while you're sleeping American Twitter finds you and then I had all and I woke up and then I had all these um uh you know women of color telling me I was the ultimate white feminist and then I had um all of these uh people sort of telling me I was being um, trans-exclusionary and, like, people calling me a turf, and I was like, like, that made me cry because I was like, if anyone ever thinks that I'm a trans-exclusionary radical feminist, then I, I've, like, fucked up deeply in my life. Like, <laughs> you know, so I'm very passionate about... So much
1: out of context. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, and, like, that's the thing is, like, and this is, this gave me, like, a whole new... And like, I have definitely been part of pylons where um, someone has said, oh, did you know that, like... This politician over here, I tweeted this tweet. Mm. You know, I think it's a bit different politicians because I do think they've kind of signed up for extra level of scrutiny um, of their opinions if they put like you know MP in their Twitter handle. You know what I mean? It's like you are asking
1: for this. I so. can't actually comment because I am a public servant, so I oh. can't. I can't be um, you know tweeting anything that politicians said. Although I did tweet them the other day and tweeted Bill and Malcolm. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, really interesting.
0: So- I didn't realize that that was a thing. Yeah. But- Um, but yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's, but like, you know, it's that kind of thing of going like, uh, like this is the perfect example of everything I've been fighting against. Mm. And I happen to be that example for men's rights activists, (laughs) woke feminists, uh, and like, and like, you know, people who think that they're like really, um, the people on social media who are like, I am, they'll put stuff in their bio, like um, I am logical or whatever, you know, they'll say stuff like that. They'll say like (laughs) um, illogical people need not apply and stuff. And Mm. um, anyway, so I became like the lightning rod for all this stuff. And all the time I was just like, you know, a lot of these people who are like putting me down, I kind of like um, consider myself aligned with your values and you just took my stupid Way. Sorry, I shouldn't even say because, like I'm trying to cut out um, yeah, I thought a- about that ableist before. language, yeah, um, so this is how hard I try, and it was just I know. it, it yeah, really sucked, t- like it sucked to be like picked apart for a um yeah, uh, like there were all these people going, um someone called me Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> and that was honestly <laughs> a compliment, the most no? hurtful no that no. that <laughs> that I was kind of like. Ooh. And then, like the next one I saw was like called me Emma Watson, and I was like, oh, because <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a lot of things, but I'm I'm not um, a he for she ambassador, you know? Like I was yeah. just kind of like, wow, just like the, all this like ways of just sort of mm. devaluing my voice and
1: taking uh, out of context. Out of context. Um, it I, sure has
0: made me think harder before I condemn someone's. Like but the thing is when I if if I see something I disagree with from someone I I I do or don't know I usually go and look at their timeline to see if this is yeah like you know indicative of what they talk about um yeah. before I yeah. get angry I'm afraid we've run out of time but it's been so much fun talking to you and I just there's just one burning question on my mind that I need to ask before we wrap up and that is what's your favorite Savage Ga- Garden song? <gasps> do you like Savage Garden too? Um
1: I love Savage Garden. Oh my god. <laughs> Just us talking about Savage Garden one day. Yes,
0: please. Yes, actually, yes. I think I actually follow a bot that just tweets lyrics from Affirmation.
1: <laughs> Can you send that I will me? send the link to you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, well, I think my favorite Savage Garden song is "The Lover After Me."
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: I love it. Um, and I think that my favorite Darren Hayes song is "I've Got a Few." I really like "Darkness." Hmm. I
0: don't and know that I,
1: one. I, I, I love that's on the Tension and the Spark album, the first song on the Tension and Spark album, and I really like putting my headphones on and listening to Darren like, as I walk through the city. I really like that, um, and I really like um, um, the Sirens Call, which is the last song of his previous album, um, of, uh, Secret Codes and Battleships album, and that's mm-hmm. the it's oh it's beautiful. So they're my three favorite songs and I walked down the aisle to so beautiful and we had Savage Garden at the wedding three times Um, and Bob Bob Evans said he wasn't going to sing any Savage Garden songs. (laughs) What a jerk. He came to the wedding and Darren didn't, so no. Yeah, joke. good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. You know what? I'm going to tweet Darren later. I'm gonna... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I want. I want him to love me. <laughs> What's your favorite? What's your favorite Savage Garden song? Oh my god, I don't know. Pretty much the whole Affirmation album. <laughs> I love it. It's so. It's so amazing.
0: Um, oh, I do love. Great? I do love "To the Moon and Back" from their first MTV. album. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a classic. I, I love it. I love mine as well. Oh yeah.
0: Mm. Oh. Oh. So <laughs> oh. listen, let's let's let, let's hang up and go listen to some Savage Garden.
1: Yeah, well, da- um, I was gonna say Darren's not here. Adam's not here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I could go and play some Savage Garden. Yeah. Look,
0: I'm not married, but just a just a tip on marriage: don't accidentally call your husband Darren Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that- Freudian or system. do
0: if he's into it i don't know I don't well
1: know. <laughs> um yeah i can we one day have a whole conversation about savage gun yes please
0: yes please. i have Let's things to say oh my goodness um. <laughs> <laughs> um i have
1: scrapbooks and scrapbooks and
0: it's oh a, wow uh, god i was I, obsessed with them like in especially in like primary school um and like oh, high school
1: that's so younger than me then because it was in high school for me
0: no, no, it was like the very end of primary school and then uh, like year 8 I really got into Affirmation. That's when yep, it came yep. out. I,
1: I was in year me. 12 when that happened, when Affirmation came along. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm a bit young.
1: Oh, it was, oh, oh my gosh, I, mean, I can't believe
0: we didn't start talking about Savage Gun at the start of thing. That's all we would have talked about. I know, when you said Darren Hayes I was like duh, but like we had everything else to cover. Sorry. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: such a bore, aren't I? No! <laughs>
0: much to Carly Finlay for coming on the podcast. It was so much fun. I highly recommend that you follow her page on Facebook and read her blog. I'll throw links in the show notes to that and the other things we talked about. I'd also like to thank my wonderful Patreon supporters who have been very patient with me this year as I've changed a few things around. If you like the podcast and you'd like to support it financially, you can make a one-off donation or a monthly payment on Just a Spoonful's Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash jaspodcast. Once you're a Patreon supporter, you can see regular updates from me and sneak previews of upcoming episodes. So You can know who's going to be on an episode before everybody else. I've moved Justice a Spoonful to a different host this year, so if you've had trouble finding episodes on iTunes or have found yourself randomly unsubscribed from the podcast, that might be why. But ideally, that shouldn't be happening, so you shouldn't notice a difference. I do all of the recording and producing of Justice a Spoonful myself, and I am very, very fatigued all the time So I appreciate how nice you all are to me about technical difficulties. Well, that's it for 2016. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, tweeting me, supporting me on Patreon, and just being awesome. Please take care of yourselves. It's been a rough year. Who knows what 2017 is going to be like, but I'm personally hopeful. Um, Calendar year is just an arbitrary, you know, way to divide up our time, but sometimes, (laughs) sometimes that's all you got. I mean, um, a spoonful is just an arbitrary measurement, and that's kind of what this podcast title is about, Just a Spoonful. It's just one spoon at a time, that's how we take life, one year at a time, one day at a time, and um, please give yourself permission to not be okay, to rest, to sit back and cry if you need to. Um, I hope I'm not sounding too dramatic, but like, let's face it. A lot of us have had a hard year and, um, we just lost Carrie Fisher today. So rest in peace. Um, one of the most outspoken and hilarious and kind and warm advocates for people with bipolar disorder that you could have. And, um, she lived her life out loud and (laughs) very much out loud. And, um, I, I think we, a lot of us take a lot of inspiration from that. So, oh God, I used the I word. I'm so sorry. Okay. I really need to, to wrap this up. Um, yeah, just thanks guys. And I'll see you in 2017. Hope you find a little bit of spoonful of something to keep you going.